effing hell, how are you? I'm blinking marvellous, thank you very much. I'm blooming fine. Blooming marvellous show. Uh, yeah, what, what's blinking what? What? Steve? Uh, Jobs? What? <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone, what an incredible week it's been uh, since we last did one of these absolutely blinding couple of performances from United. We're good, we're good, oh finally we're good. And and let, let's, let's just remember predictions, predictions, what did Paul say, Let, let's just think about it, two defeats, oh optimistic Paul, what, what happened there, what happened? Hey listen, I'm, I'm, I'm being encouraged from left and right on Twitter to continue predicting us to lose on the basis that that appears to be the only thing keeping United winning. Uh, having said that, my boss is convinced to that is because he's begun uh, treading in horse manure before every game. Uh, that's uh, to me seems to be a, a heavy price to to pay to superstitiously not make any difference whatsoever to United's fortunes. Yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking of uh, starting to pray to Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy as well to see whether that works. Yeah. Well, listen, whatever works. What are we going to do first? Should we just get all the stupid stuff out of the way and then talk about football afterwards <laughs> well i i think we if, on, on that basis we talk about stupid stuff about 99 <laughs> of the time but but hey look look let, let, let's let's take it in order because it the, you know there's some chronology to this isn't there united at west ham kind of negative team selection everyone thought oh what's going on here and clearly clearly champions league in mind an abysmal sort of half hour although actually result wise it was abysmal first half hour West Ham going two up. United were playing pretty well, I thought. And then the amazing turnaround and the stunning hat-trick. Yeah, um, I was unfortunately not able to see the match as it played out. So I just, I did what I always do now, which is ridiculous. I could have just gone to the BBC website, but I, I turned my phone on and kind of straight away fired up Twitter. And it was very clear that something pretty remarkable had happened in the previous hour and a half, because there was a lot of kind of people going, you know, Scott from Republic of Mancuna just said weekend not ruined after all and a lot of we do what we want and all this kind of stuff so uh, it was clearly a pretty exciting thing to watch unfold live but seeing seeing it afterwards and a, a pretty sterling performance from United because apart from those two goals we were much the better side in the first half and Giggs was absolutely magnificent and a brilliant second half well yes I mean there's clearly, clearly some defensive issues at the back and I do think that when United go out and they play with a formation that feels like there are a lot of changes or there's a hint of negativity about it, they were just not as good. And, no, and, uh, and I think uh, when we go for it, something changes in the mentality and we're much better. And and the, the second half was just, it was fantastic performance. United absolutely piled into West Ham. They couldn't contain us. And that's isn't that how United should play all the time? I mean, it's, it's the way that Ferguson side has played at home in some games. Games. Not not every game, mind you, but in some games this season. And but too often negative away from home, and it just seems to translate into a poor performance. And and uh, eventually we got there against West Ham, and it, it was a very good second half performance. And and uh, Rooney scored those three goals, and he, in fact he scored those three goals playing from the left a lot of the time. But just having more attacking players on, and I thought Berbatov made a big difference as well. And him and Rooney and Hernandez and West Ham just couldn't cope with it. The free kick. It was amazing to see a United player hit a really good direct free kick. This doesn't seem to happen very much. No, anymore. it doesn't. Not since Ronaldo left. And maybe Wayne should be taking a few more of those if he's, he's going to stick it in the top corner all the time. Yeah, possibly. I guess the problem is he's clearly not sticking them in the top corner all the time.
time in training or whatever otherwise he he would be taking them uh, and and a good pen under very difficult circumstances he's he said in his post match interviews training with Robert Green on penalties all week so he, he was kind of a little bit psyched out by that but he figured that Robert Green would just think that he would put it somewhere other than the place he'd been practicing to put it so he thought well I'll just put I'll just put it there right yeah 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 which is interesting decision making process because there's obviously a lot that goes into that decision um but but the the muscle memory of having practiced it over and over again probably outweighs any disadvantage of the fact that the keeper might suspect you're going to put yeah, it that I, way. Yeah, if you read the Soconomics analysis of, of this, this is all cod psychology. If you stick it in one of the corners and don't yeah. screw it up, you score nine yeah. times out of ten. It's not cod psychology though, um, because the, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. He's he was you just made that's the point I'm trying to make. That's why he he practiced putting it in the place you're supposed to put right, penalties. Yeah, yeah. And so he carried on taking it there to put it there. No, no, the cod psychology bit is, uh, am I going to go right? Am I going to go left? Just blank that out. Aim for a corner. Doesn't matter which one, and then uh, you're going to score. But basically, I mean, yeah, that's that, that's true. But then your your the the level of performance you're able to achieve in that moment is heavily influenced by your psychological state. Uh, and psychological state is something I want to talk about quite a lot today. Something is really significant to a lot of the things that have happened. It's yes. really significant. It's already really significant to one of the things that you've said so far which is our mindset when there's a kind of shaky team selection or an apparently negative team selection the team loses belief in itself whereas it clearly as a unit believes in its power to smash teams to pieces to be better when attacking to score more than the other team you know the team as a collective looks stronger and you know we've talked about a a relative lack of mental toughness in some of some of not just in fact I have to say not just Manchester United players but just players of the modern age because of the nature of football now and I think that that's a really significant part of it we we look much tougher mentally when when we're attacking because because the team believes in itself yes I absolutely agree with all of that yeah uh, and I, I I just I do just kind of feel that we should be positive and go I mean look uh, in European terms United have been very successful recently in playing a certain way in a very controlled way but with this current side I'm not I mean okay look the stats say United won 10 of what 10 of the last 12 European yep. away fixtures something like that it's it's a it's a remarkable record not conceded away in the Champions League this season yeah, absolutely and and some of that has uh, to do with the conservatism but look at the other key stats the lowest amount of shots of any of the last eight only I think the fourth best pass rate not nearly as many goals as the other people I mean it's uh, so a lot of the key attacking stats actually United are quite low on in the Champions League you know, different in the Premier League actually United are top scorers by some distance um, but that, that you can't separate that from the fact that many times United are quite negative especially yeah. away from home now, we'll get on to the Chelsea game in a bit because I don't think we're nearly done with West Ham but but the same thing does has happened to United in the Premier League this season I think we've been pretty tentative away from home a lot of the time having said that and and you know we, we, we have frequently been I always think that, that what we do here is we try and give an analysis from the perspective that we see the game so it's it's we don't go into this with a predetermined outlook every game is taken on its own merits to the best of our abilities you know but we have been fairly critical of United even though what we are in the middle of an incredibly successful season so far you know 
so it's up to this point the season really couldn't have gone too much better um, up to now in terms of results I don't mean individual games I mean the overall outlook of, of the season as it, as it stands but our will to win games is absolutely unflipping believable and then that, that goes kind of it might seem counter to what I was saying about a kind of psychological weakness or whatever but but when but but it actually feeds totally into your point that when when the team is told try and win this game or knows it's in a position where all it can do is try and win that's all the gloves are all the the shackles are off at that point all bets are off yeah and 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 a lot of this is down to ferguson and i i know he's changed he has changed because because of all that that stuff i talked about about how the side is much more negative uh, especially away from home than it used to be i mean gone are the days when united will go out to camp new and score three goals as we we did in 99 uh, i don't think there'd be any chance if we're and we won't we won't obviously play barcelona until the final if if we make it there and if they do too but uh I, I think if we were playing them in a knockout game there's not a chance we go with four forwards on the pitch and go and try and score three goals and uh, so so gone are those days but Ferguson is still a gambler and at key times he will throw a ton of players onto the pitch if he, if, if he feels that there's a chance to go and win the game yeah I mean um, you know Barcelona today is a very different prospect probably from Barcelona in 99 and we probably stack up very differently against them than we did that season uh, so I, th- I think it's understandable that, that he would take such a different approach yes i mean yeah but still i mean that's a reflection of of the changing nature of united's of united's team over the last 12 years as well so yeah, no, you're right, and and Sir Alex's approach. West, let's stick with West Ham because I, I do have some stuff to say about our European approach as it relates to the game last night. Um, but 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 Rooney was just absolutely en fuego, and uh, he used some pretty spicy language. Now I have to say, I really, really, really hated that goal celebration, um, and and I really found the response of the United faithful, as as perceived through the medium of Twitter, kind of uncomfortable and a bit. Like I felt like the kid in the Emperor's New Clothes when everyone's going, that's the passion that we've been missing from him, you know. And I, I, I kind of was thinking, no, that's exactly the same type of passion that he's been exhibiting. It's it's all it it it's a very self-centered response. It, it doesn't have the best interest of the team at heart. It's all about Rooney in that moment. I have to say, it's profoundly understandable from a psychological perspective. There's an excellent piece on Seven Cantonars, and um, that's the number Seven Cantonars.com. But it was an excellent piece on. Imagine if you were Wayne Rooney and this is how your life had been and he kind of related it to somebody in a sales job and it, it was an excellent analytical piece and it said like before you kind of judge this person too harshly for swearing on national television just put yourself in that position and I kind of completely accept the premise of that argument it, it's totally understandable that a player like Rooney would behave like that but but it was it just was absolutely rife with ego for me that moment and in, in the same way that the the cry celebration was and 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 I am the last person to judge to, to negatively judge a, a, a person's behavior based on their kind of personal weaknesses and challenges I think that Wayne Rooney has probably got many fine qualities as a as, as a human being he's certainly got a, a huge number of qualities as a footballer but I just found it really really unpleasant and a reflection of so much that's kind of uncomfortable about the modern game
from anger and ego and entitlement and all those things and there was no joy in the moment there was just rage and frustration and and you're going to talk about the incident in kind of more detail and perhaps what what provoked some of that but but i just i just found the whole thing very uncomfortable and the 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 fact of the matter is although it's a football match and a lot of people going oh you know it's ridiculous like he's everyone swears at football all the time it's it's a complete overreaction and certainly think some of that's true but he's also just swearing on daytime television at that point yeah well look look i I have to say i mean i I obviously along with everybody and his dog on the planet uh wrote a piece about this so you know we all had our opinions right and uh i i I don't disagree with much of what you're saying there actually i I, to characterize it as anger is totally right i don't think it's passion i think he's angry this is an angry young man and i I think there's a there's a couple of points i did want to make that haven't really been well discussed and i have to say i was a little bit frustrated by some of the the received wisdom of the crowd uh, in in the way this was portrayed and 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 also the media as well and and we've we've spoken about the media's agenda quite a bit and and i think we need to step back a bit and think about what actually happened so Rooney scores and he runs to the right of the goal he's embraced by michael carrick and other players and and in that moment there's some joy and when all of them get together and the yeah. cameraman follows them onto the pitch now from from the camera point of view it basically it basically looks like Rooney's coming to the camera take the wide angle view and it's completely different the cameraman comes onto the pitch he's 15 yards onto the pitch one other thing they do Sky and probably people who aren't in the media world don't understand this but the, the cameraman will gesture at the camera so when Gerard comes and kisses the camera he's actually being told to do that by the cameraman it's it's a editorial decision because it's a nice moment and uh, it's a good piece of broadcast so the cameraman at that moment he's gesturing at Rooney and Rooney turns around and he says what effing what and I think there's not a chance he's talking to the camera there he's not a broadcaster he doesn't talk to the camera he's talking to a cameraman who's got a chest high camera it's, it's not on a tripod it's not on a rail it's it's a steady cam chest high he's talking to that cameraman and he says what effing what effing hell and uh, he's he's angry with uh, that person come directly into face it's exactly Exactly what happened during the World Cup as well. So it's not as if there isn't precedent for Rooney doing this. And uh, and given the amount of media invasion of his life, uh, much of it, I've got to say, it was his own fault in many ways because he provoked it. So so it's a yeah, but it, that doesn't make it, it doesn't make it any less difficult to live with though. I think I think one, there's a massive provocation there and a deliberate one and an invasion of his personal space. And so to characterise this as Rooney seeking out the camera to swear at the viewers, which is the way it's been portrayed and certainly the FA judgment backs it up is completely and totally wrong and and the second point I want to make is kind of a semantic argument really because even if you didn't accept my premise there even if you are like no he's swearing at the camera well why is that any worse and I haven't heard a single and I've asked loads of people now I haven't heard a single well articulated argument to tell me why swearing at the camera is any worse than swearing and it being heard on the pitch full stop and look if the FA rules here were if you swear, I mean, they kind of are. At foul and abusive language, you can get a red card, right? And therefore a ban. It's a straight red, so you'd be getting a two or three match ban. So if they were applied universally and specifically, and everyone knew that if you use foul and abusive language in whatever scenario, and, and this happens in rugby, right? You're off if you swear at anyone, including the referee. So if you if you did that in for 
football and it was accepted that that's the role, I would have no arguments here at all. None. Because I don't think it's nice and I don't think it reflects well on Rooney. I don't think it reflects well on the game. Uh, I don't think it's good for the general family audience. And and, uh, I watched the game on the TV with my six-year-old and I don't think she picked up on this wearing. She does actually know the F word, uh, which is a real shame, but she picks it up at school. And uh, so so I haven't heard a good argument to tell me why it's worse. I was going to say, like, given how many times her dad has uh, sent me a text message with a swear word in it this week, it's not surprising your six-year-old uh, knows the F word. Although, of course, Ed, I'm sure she doesn't get it from you. Um, yeah, I, you know what? It's why I blinking love doing this, because I am I think you are absolutely 100% right in your analysis of the situation, and this is literally the only place I've heard that argument posited. I've heard some talk of, you know, the cameraman was trying to encourage him to, to kiss the camera, and that, that was... That was what it was. But that detailed breakdown of step-by-step what happened, I think, is absolutely crucial. And I think that the fact that it's a ban rather than... Because the, the, the crime... What, what Do you know the actual wording of what it is that he's been banned yeah, um, for? It's, it's, I, I wrote in my piece, actually. It's, it's uh, foul, abusive and offensive language. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it seems absolutely shocking to me that this isn't a monetary fine. I guess that the problem is you can't do anything with monetary fines if you're the game's governing body. Now, I meant to look this up today, and, and apologies for not having done it. The day got away from me a bit. But what happened to Drogba when he was effing and blinding in the Champions League? But that was completely different because he walked alongside the camera, talking to the camera, swearing, but talking about the referee. So in that case, I don't think Rooney abused anyone. I think Drogba very specifically abused the referee to a TV audience, and that's who he was addressing. So I, I think they are completely different. I know what you mean, that they're completely different, but the the kind of abuse of the relationship between football and television is very similar in that instance because the truth of them th- there's a number of things also I want to say one why are Sky not in trouble for showing it when they've got a three second delay on their matches that's my understanding right, yeah. uh, for, for, for exactly incidents such as this this was not a random swear word being picked up from the crowd or you know the, the classic kind of Jamie Carragher lip but, but read. Sky the, see the problem here with Sky is they're not just a broadcaster showing content in the football match they're also a news organization that that runs not only sky news 24-hour rolling news but the ultimate parent company and um, news international are trying to take over 100 percent of sky uh, also runs the times the sun the news of the world and other media uh, you know I, I look i'm not saying in a three second moment there there's an editorial issue but i, I would think that uh, this might have been discussed but I, i'm thinking right in that moment they chose to show it because they repeated it again and again and again and again on um and in fact they repeat it with the swearing afterwards on sky news and I, I didn't see it but this is what i understand the trade so correct me if i'm wrong here and then later in the day they blanked it out and also pixelated his mouth just in case you could lip read the the f's and whatever yeah n- not too hard to do in in this particular case but you know there's tell wayne rooney is a very rich man because of sky you know yes that's, that's there's a one-to-one correlation so it's it's a completely 
completely messed up codependent weird relationship going on but, but I do think there's a there's there's a kind of Jungian collective unconscious issue with the level of anger in football nowadays and and you see it in Barry Glendening was talking about it on Monday's Football Weekly he was saying you know you just you see the faces absolutely contorted in the crowd and, and a colleague of mine and an older gentleman who's a, a Wolves fan uh, used to go to loads and loads of games and kind of travelled home and away and he, he brought me in the other day brought me in a programme um, to to show me of, of a game he'd been to Wolves against United with Best Lauren Charlton playing for United and stuff so he's a nice chap and he was saying he just can't go anymore because the level of anger in the crowd is so unpleasant it's just it's just such a kind of visceral horrible atmosphere compared to what it used to be but of course there was also a massive problem in the 80s with, with violence in the grounds which, which has all but gone away it's a very complicated situation the relationship between football and society's collective unconscious and, and what it represents and the gathering of the masses and its history as an expression of working class masculinity and uh, an outlet for emotion in a world that taught you you weren't allowed to display emotion it's a really complicated intricate relationship yes it is there you go I mean that's a pretty detailed analysis well one I mean the, the second part of this of course is the FA's reaction to it N- let me let me just check uh, I'm just gonna just gonna run through the checklist and uh, not fit for purpose um, run by a bunch of people who are way 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 out of their depths and wildly inconsistent and uh, fond of punishing high-profile players which often means that Manchester United players come off worse because they're the highest profile players of all. Is that is that where we're going? Well, well that, that was certainly part of it. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's certainly part of it. I mean, I guess the, the one other thing I thought about this, and I, I couldn't, I said it a couple of times on Twitter, and I don't know why it got stuck in my head, but there's that bit in South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut, so the South Park, the movie, where Chila Brolovsky says, horrific, deplorable violence is okay as long as you don't say any naughty words. That's why we're fighting this war. And uh, it just felt like that. I mean, because it was a day when when Michael Essien tried to chop someone's leg off with one of the most horrendous tackles, two-footed, knee-high, and and all the fuss was about Rooney. And then this is this is in the weeks since you know Jamie Carragher sliced off you know, half a Nani's ne- legs, and of course Rooney got away with the elbow and um, and other you know, nasty physical challenges go unpunished. And and it just it just it made no sense to me. And and yeah. Yes, absolutely. This is an organisation, as well as being not fit for purpose and incompetent and run by incompetence and all that, is is so governed by the media agenda that whatever is a scandal is is what they want to deal with. I mean, the Monday night football, uh, people were tweeting at me saying uh, one of the Peterborough players was you know, audibly swearing and you know effing at the ref and nothing was done. And of course, when Peter Crouch got sent off against Real Madrid, you don't even need to be a, a classy lip reader to, to understand exactly what he told the ref after he'd been sent off and nothing yeah. will be done about those and of course I said that and 15 people go back and come back to me and say well it's the UEFA not the FA and really not the point guys and you know it you know pedant, pedants and uh, the internet go well together don't they but the, the frustration is with the fact that um, you know it's come at the wrong time for Rooney because the uh, the FA want to do something to show that they're tough on respect and the Premier League are weighed in on it and Peter Scudamore you know, even though the Premier League have no dis- 
disciplinary procedures so they can't actually do anything about this but obviously you know they've come out and said um, we want to be really strong and then on the other side of it obviously Ferguson's got his five match ban and he was quite critical of Scudamore and, and so it's definitely come in the wrong environment for Rooney and it's come at the very right time for an organisation that wants to make an example of someone and, and that, that's exactly what they've done held up today of course The great irony of the situation is that in terms of the respect campaign this doesn't really even fit the bill because he wasn't abusing an official or another opposition player I mean a, a general culture of respect was violated for sure if you, if you considered strong language to be offensive which which a lot of people actually still do but it, you know he, he didn't say it at the referee which you could argue is a bigger problem in football in general yeah right I mean they're, they're, I, I'm quite sure there were swear words directed at the referee last night I mean you know in the 80s the, the FA at the time did a um, an early implementation of miking up the ref and they did it for two games and they didn't make it available to broadcasters but it was like an internal test system and they decided at that point they'd never try it again because the language was so offensively blue around the referee that they could never actually do it whereas in rugby of course the the refs are mic'd up and and none of the broadcasters are worried about it because there's such a deeper level of you know sorry to use the word respect for the authority so in a way i do agree with the fa the fa they do need to in in engender a, a culture of respect but they need to do it in a consistent way and i think coming out with some show trial about Rooney who's who's been provoked into angrily using the F word twice is not the way to do it that is no other player is going to think actually I can't swear at the referee now because I might get a ban and one of the other things I wanted to say is I saw a lot of you know well maybe Rooney should just shoot someone because that won't be punishable by the FA well no it wouldn't be of course no but I have to say it's slightly I guess people are mostly being facetious but it is kind of a facile comparison because that although I actually think that Ashley Cole thing was really, really serious and has been badly, you know, the the classic point that what if that intern had shot Ashley Cole, how would the response have been and kind of how different it would have been, etc, etc. But that wasn't in the middle of a pitch and it wasn't in front of, you know, it wasn't on telly. It's not a like-for-like comparison. They're not saying swearing is worse than shooting people. No, but but what they are saying then is the, the media agenda is more important than the actual facts of the case. They're making an example of someone because it was on TV. Yes, absolutely. But the but the fact that it was on TV is kind of the reason it was a problem. You know, because it's a, a violation of the way TV in this country operates, where you can't swear on TV before nine o'clock. And you know, he basically swore on daytime television. Do you, do you know what happens when this happens on the radio? When when a broadcaster or someone or a phone someone who phones in swears, the broadcaster gets fined. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that's and I think that's a really serious thing as well that the, the, the sky issue and I have to say there's, there's one other thing I wanted to say you said you know that you, you were kind of reminded of South Park and I can't help thinking the satirical the key satirical issue here is not how it relates to the SEN challenge but how it relates to the fact that we're bombing Libya in two wars in Iraq and Afghanistan have a massive global economic crisis the government just hiked the tax rate um, and put out a budget which is likely to significantly negatively impact on poor people slashing local government budgets so loads and loads of people are going to be out of a job this is in England um, America's obviously got plenty of its own kind of social problems there was a huge earthquake in Japan and a massive swathe of revolutionary uh, feeling in North 
Africa and the Middle East, uh, and the television networks are spending a huge amount of time uh, focusing on a man swearing in a football match. Yeah, no, I did. It's exactly Rio Ferdinand's point uh, last night, and uh, and if if you could uh, increase your respect for Ferdinand, you certainly would have done after that um, after that interview he gave last night, in which he said basically to paraphrase, get a grip. Uh, there's war in Libya and uh, and the Ivory Coast at the moment. Yes, and, uh, and and Wayne Rooney's on the front pages. It's totally out of proportion. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I, I think that's 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 probably the most serious issue of all here. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably. In enough of that ridiculous nonsense a man said a naughty word on tv it's been happening for a long time it's not that big a deal and the idea that the the thing that i've seen a lot as well is like people saying if you're letting if you're responsible if you're as a parent if if you are allowing these people to be the role models to your children you've got really really big problems and then they're not going to live up to the task uh no yes footballers are not role models parents are role models and uh if if any parent thinks that their child is now going to go off and you know swear liberally because of what happened with Wayne Rooney. They need to do their job properly. As I said, my uh, my daughter was watching the game with me, and and I don't think she actually heard the swearing, but she certainly knows the words. But she certainly knows not to use them. Did she jump up and down when United scored? Uh, yeah, she was she was a bit distracted a little bit. I jumped up and down. <laughs> she was trying to get me to come and play on the CBB's website on the computer in the other room. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. It's just unacceptable. Uh, you said footballers are not role models, and of course, I, I I know everyone added this mentally themselves anyway. But just to make sure, that's brackets apart from Ryan Giggs. Close brackets, right? <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah, that's just that's just implied. That's that's there. If we ever say footballers are role models, you have to know we mean apart from Ryan Giggs. A- absolutely, sir, sir Ryan. Yeah. Uh, then we played another football match, and it was absolutely brilliant. We beat Chelsea. I can't believe we beat Chelsea. I did say, uh, despite my kind of negative predictions at the end of the show last week I did say I, I kind of felt that we were somewhat entitled to the rub of the green and maybe maybe we'd actually get some luck and um, I also said that we, we'd been quite lucky in the Champions League final uh, and somebody pointed out in the comments on the United run um, site you can say we got lucky but actually it was it wasn't bad luck that made Terry slip he kicked his standing leg um, right. due to incompetence <laughs> um, and not being able to handle the pressure of the situation just fair enough and I, I loved it on ITV the little 30 second montage of Moscow 2008 well it was maybe more than 30 seconds maybe a minute it was absolutely fantastic that was it, it certainly was and it? it brings a smile to my face every single time I see that ball clip the outside of the post and Terry break down and plenty plenty of smiles on the faces of United fans during that game some hearts in the mouth moments for sure but even though I, I think it was definitely a penalty at the end and they were indeed robbed of a chance uh, to slip over and hit the outside of the post we, we, we were definitely the better side and, and clearly I, I think it would be hard to argue anything other than that was our best performance away in the Champions League for quite some time away anywhere for quite some time yeah it was an excellent really really control, well controlled performance we can come on to the penalty in a bit because I'm not quite sure I agree with you but I, I just thought the general performance was, was just really good and some of the people we've been so critical of uh, like for example Michael Carrick were outstanding I mean I, I'm not sure I could pick my man in the match but Carrick would have been close alongside of course Vidic and Ferdinand who are truly awesome and, and how good is it to have, have Rio back and, and Rooney was outstanding too and Chelsea just couldn't cope with the fact that he was everywhere, he was deep, he was left he was right, uh, he was coming off the striker, uh, Hernandez 
Rodriguez uh, didn't individually have a great game, but he kept making runs, and that was you know vitally important for you know, all the players around him. And I think um, I can understand why Hernandez played, and uh, yeah, I, I think I wrote that in my preview, which of course crashed, and I had to write again at the last moment. But uh, that the reason why Hernandez would play is for the pace, but probably Chelsea to drop so deep, and I think they would have actually pushed forward if uh, if Luis had been playing and held a higher line. But without Luis, I think they were they were, they were too concerned about Hernandez's pace and so they dropped 15 yards back and so he didn't have the impact from that point of view but his movement was crucial to everyone around him I just thought absolutely right United's best performance away from home all season Rooney was I mean Michael Carrick I think just about nudges man of the match Giggs is in for a really good shout of that as well but Carrick was just immense yesterday Uh, the the Michael Carrick debate that I keep seeing is ridiculous you've got a bunch of people on one side going he's rubbish and should never play for United again and a bunch of people on the other side going he's absolutely the best thing since sliced bread and you people on that other side are idiots when the truth is I think he's a very talented player who has had a very very substantial dip in form over a decently long period right. of time but yet yesterday he was an absolute beast it was I mean I, I don't know I'm sure that him, perhaps he's had better performances in the past and I'm just not able to draw one to mind right now but he was magnificent last night he was a sight to yeah, behold yeah I mean his pass completion rate was excellent he dropped a little bit in the second half I think he was at 90% odd percent in the first half a little, a little bit lower by the second half but, but he's also progressive in his passing and that's been the thing that's been missing And but in the times today he's likened to having tea with the vicar yeah, it's just just not enough bite to it and and um, that, that's a little bit unfair because I think it, when when he first came to United not only did he play slightly further forward um, which is one thing and uh, but, but he also and he was very deep last night uh, but he also was much more progressive in his passing and, and something went uh, over the last 18 months and he became much more conservative and uh, a lot of sideways passes of course and he gets a lot of stick for that uh, and and I, I just thought that did, I mean there were the sideways passes when necessary last night but there were also a lot of a probing passes not least the one that produced the goal yeah no absolutely and what a stunning goal it was that guy it's one of those goals you watch again and again and again in some ways I sort of prefer it to uh, Rooney's amazing overhead kick against City because um, it had an, a poetry and an aesthetic to it. The momentum of the ball was kind of perfect at every stage. A stunning ball from Carrick, an incredible takedown, uh, beat a man, knock back from Giggs, and and Rooney's uh, the, the shot from behind the goal of Rooney's kind of concentration and um, you see him make the decision to take the shot and his reaction actually, which was one of absolutely pure joy. It's kind of interesting because it's almost like a bubble has burst for Rooney and that was like uh, oh yeah I remember this is who I am. This is what happens. I get the ball around the penalty spot. I'm probably going to score more often than I'm not kind of thing. Right and and he just guided it into the corner. He didn't try and lash it so that's another sign of great form and he, he sprinted over towards the cameras <laughs> and uh, rolled around on the ground and it was a, yeah it was a great moment. A great moment. There was there was a, a, a lot of interesting things about the performance. I mean Carrick I thought actually had a, a huge amount of bite to his performance yesterday he was he was tigerish uh, when Chelsea had the ball tracking back like a crazy person somebody pointed out to me that one of the things that Carrick does extremely well is cover for Vidic when Vidic has to cover for Evra when Evra's out of position Carrick just kind of drops back into that into that spot and and, and covers the spaces and stops holes appearing in, in United structure and I think considering how long Rio's had out he, he was pretty great last night um, I, I'm yeah I, I enjoyed watching him I, I you know 
you know, he's he's increasingly. Uh, I've gone on and on about Rio this season, but he's increasingly just becoming my favourite player at United. Not not counting uh, Sir Ryan Giggs. That's in brackets, obviously. If I ever call anyone my favourite player other than Ryan Giggs, um, but no, we were just we were just magnificent all over the pitch. Van der Sar was was phenomenal. A word or two about Chelsea. Um, they they definitely had their chances. Torres, Lukey Moore on uh, on the football ramble, which if you're not listening to football ramble, you probably should be. Uh, keep saying, imagine if Fernando Torres never scores again. <laughs> um, she kind of makes me laugh every time he says it. it. Fifty million pounds Liverpool got for him. Fifty million pounds. He looks dreadful. I'm sure. It, I'm sh- I'm sure he'll be back. He I'm, he's too good not to come back. But he is where Rain Rooney was six months ago. Oh, so dread- so dreadful. I mean, I, I, I think uh, I think uh, Chelsea haven't bought Fernando Torres. They've bought Freddie Torres. I mean, <laughs> it's it's just abysmal. It's just it's just embarrassing. Actually, I almost feel sorry for almost. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I don't know. He he can't uh, he can't get to the summer and have a rest quick enough. Although of course Spain are mulling over taking part in the Copa America, so he, he wouldn't get a summer off. Uh, I'm sure he would like to have one off and just uh, recharge and start again. He needs the summer off badly because he's in a he's in a right old state. There was an amazing moment when um, when Drogba came off. And by the way, thanks Carlo. Um, excellent substitution there. Just take take Drogba off. Yeah, yeah. Who, who runs that club? I really do wonder. <laughs> um, he, Drogba comes off and Anelka comes on. And and Anelka whispers something to Drogba. And Drogba just kind of looks at him and goes, yeah, I know. And it must have been. I can't see it being anything other than, I can't believe he's taken you off instead of that other bloke. Because because Drogba looked really dangerous, as he always does. He didn't have a brilliant game. But but you definitely think that Ferdinand and Vidic would have been much happier to see Drogba go off than Torres. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, of course, Tor- Torres, who you know, had to resort to diving repeatedly. <laughs> you, you think it wasn't a penalty because you think the first contact was outside the area, not the Torres one. Obviously, that was a massive dive. Yeah, well, the, the first contact is definitely outside the area, actually. I've seen loads of pictures of it now from different from different viewpoints. And uh, yeah, first contact is undoubtedly outside the area. And, and uh, I have to say, Sleepy Nick, a bit naughty last night because you, uh, you modified the FIFA rules, which is a directive specifically about shirt pulling. Uh, r- wrong directive, mate. Go, go read the FIFA handbook again. And uh, No way. I can't believe you're calling uh, out Sleepy Nick on I refereeing issues. I, I like Sleepy Nick. We have a debate. We don't agree on very much, but, uh, but uh, you know, there's uh, there's nothing personal in it, of course. But yeah, yeah, bit bit naughty there. Got that one wrong. F- for me, that's it's not a penalty. If, if first contact is not inside the area, it's not a penalty. The foul happened outside the area. They both, momentum took them inside the area. And, and of course, it'd been... Uh, um, very difficult for the referee to spot that and in fact he didn't even think it was a foul because he, he didn't give the free kick which was a mistake it was definitely a foul uh, not not difficult for that fifth official standing there the, the ITV uh, team uh, Adrian Childs who I used to really like Adrian Childs I, I'm not an Adrian Childs hater but, but ITV Sport does something to broadcasters uh, he was terrible last night the whole ITV team were terrible um, Gabriel Clark's interview of Petr Cech afterwards was we talked about the media should be culpable for some of the things that managers and footballers right. say after matches but you know he, he asked Petr Cech about the penalty and he said well obviously we think it was a penalty and that's very unfortunate but now we've got to regroup and kind of go back and you know he he totted out the media trained line quite well I thought he, he kind of 
composed comported himself quite well but but then he says yeah but weren't you outraged by the penalty decision or something along those lines i can't remember the exact wording but it was it was something like didn't you think it was outrageous or something uh, yeah oh can you believe the ref didn't give mm. it that's what he said what kind of a question is that it's like and Petr Cech says well it's not a question of believing it. he didn't give it it's like no actually yes that's the only sane response to that but anyway um itv sport showed the fifth of cone of vision uh, using some some red light on the pitch uh, and he had a pretty good view of it and didn't seem to do anything or say anything about it no they're they're a complete waste of time those additional officials aren't they because because they're they're i think probably just not strong enough to tell the referee what, what they believe or you know or he, he just was dozing off because they have so little to do i, I don't know yeah look we can debate whether it was in or outside the area it was very very close he's a very difficult one to call and of course Either way, Chelsea would have had a free kick uh, on the uh, edge of the area, and it's a, definitely a, a goal-scoring position, and and uh, probably a red card for Evra, who would have who would have missed the second leg. Yeah, and um, you know, definitely us getting the kind of rub of the green, and and also the ball just kind of bounced right in some of those goal mouth scrambles because Chelsea definitely had a couple of chances to put it away. I mean, we defended very well during those chances, and actually Chelsea defended very well as well. Um, you know, in a way they were sort of one one nil was down to some very good defending but I mean you know what an amazingly good result that is for us it's an awesome result and look this tie is not dead no uh, not uh, far from it I mean a 2-1 victory for Chelsea which is exactly what they uh, or they scored at Old Trafford last season would would take them through so uh, look clearly clearly this uh, there, there's it's all to play for still and, and the, the second leg and the tactics will be slightly different because of course the onus is on United to, to attack but uh, it's, it's a great result uh, Chelsea have to score now, which uh, you know, hopefully will mean they, they have to play an open attacking game that, that should lead into a, our strength. I, I just hope we don't go timid uh, and think oh well, let's protect our lead uh, because a, a draw of any kind will do us. So I, ho- I hope that's not the case. I hope we're positive. And, uh, but it's, look, it's great. Uh, Schalke winning means that there's a path through to the final if you want to start looking. I mean, it's, it's harsh on Schalke to talk like that when they've been so good in Europe, but they are still mid-table in the Bundesliga. Yeah, but I think they'll give us a game. But then I have to say, I thought Shakhtar would give Barcelona a game and I thought Spurs would give Real Madrid a game and I thought we'd lose twice. So my repeated um, assertion that I don't actually know anything at all about football is is proving itself more correct all the time. There's some breaking news as as we record this. Uh, Anderson has just... Now, now, you you are definitely sitting down, right? You're not standing up for a sec, Ed. I'm definitely sitting down. He's just scored a goal for the reserves. I, I know, I know. This is uh, you've also given away the fact that we are recording this pod and not watching United versus City reserves. Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a disgrace to United fans. I, I, I don't watch the reserves very often at all. Mostly because it just upsets me to watch the reserves. It's just like, oh, I quite like watching the youth team, but it's just that, that you know, we've talked about Bebe and Obertan enough. I don't think this is the week to talk about them because they, they were nowhere near the first team. I have to say one thing worth pointing out uh, after the game of seven defenders the other week four wingers on the pitch at the end of the game last night Valencia absolutely immense at right back Ryan Giggs immense at left back against West Ham and Valencia immense at right back what's going on how is that even possible yeah I mean actually I thought it was a smart it was a smart uh, one from Ferguson he he, uh, he knew United were on top and, and wanted to keep that way and I think to bring Evans on and play him out of position would have changed the dynamic of United's play and of course um, making 
making sure that Ashley Cole had to keep going backwards was a very important part of United's tactical plan. And uh, so, yeah, clearly spot on from Ferguson there. But I, I mean, I mean, yeah, it, may, it makes a lot of sense tactically. But in terms of personnel, I don't know. Maybe Ferguson knows he's seen him in training. But but some of the tackles that Valencia put in, he, his positioning was fantastic. You know, he, he just really looked really accomplished at right back for 25 minutes or whatever it was yesterday. He did, he did, and uh, Everett on the, of course, on the other side, not so accomplished. I thought he didn't have a great game, and, and he's been well below his best for a lot of this season. It'll be really nice for him to have a long time off over the summer. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we've talked about why his performances, but he's played a million games in a row, and that France thing, I think, really upset him in the summer. So it'll be, it'll be good for him to have a proper break. Yeah. So uh, of course, before the summer and before all of that, a couple of games coming up in the week. They really come thick and fast now, don't they? They certainly do. So. Um, uh, Fulham at the weekend at home there can't be anything even without Wayne Rooney can't can't be anything bar a bar a United victory yeah a fan well I mean in anything clearly anything is possible this season but no I mean I think Berbatov and Hernandez more than a match Fulham at home I don't know are they what will they do without that Michael Jackson statue that inspires them so much before the game <laughs> it's, it's a great piece in the Guardian and clearly uh, deeply deeply laden with sarcasm uh, saying that uh, the, the, the wailing and gnashing of teeth in the arts community over the government budget cuts need not apply because uh, clearly private philanthropy will ensure that the arts are, are, are well served and just look at this statue for proof yeah it's it's one of the most hideous things i've i have ever ever seen and and that's enough about michael jackson yeah it's um but but yes yeah, so we're, we're surely gonna win that game well no, we're not surely gonna win it but we're surely significant favorites to uh to win it anderson's just scored again ed hello I, I, so it doesn't compute yeah just, just taking me a little while <laughs> um yeah so on that note uh, i think i think a, a comfortable uh, win against fulham and then the the return leg against chelsea we, we're obviously in the driving seat in that fixture but there's a long long way to go and they're very very capable players in that chelsea side i, I still think there's more to come from chelsea in the next season or so um they, they, you know they've they've still got some excellent players but i, I mean I th- i'm nervous about the match i, I you know, I'm, I'm nervous about predicting a win after my incredible success last week with us predicting us losing. Look, the tactics and the score will play a part, and I, I kind of think a score draw will probably be the most likely result. And and a nervous, a nervous game of that, and I, I think it'd be easy to get carried away and go, yeah, we're going to go hammer them now. And I don't think that'll be the case. I, I think it'll be tight. I think it will come down to the little details, but United have the advantage. Yeah, they certainly do, and it's fantastic that Rio's back, isn't it? It's just just one wonderful timing for him to be back for the run-in. I've been looking at our run-in um, and if we win our next three games which is Fulham at home Newcastle away and then someone I can't remember off the top of my head who we should be again at home. And then we have to play Arsenal and Chelsea but the, the pressure could be off by that point because we, we could be a long way ahead if we get nine points out of the next three games. Yeah, I mean it's Fulham at home, Newcastle away who are not in great form at all and, and Everton at That's home. It, and I, th- I, think, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think 
think we go three in really crucial three wins out of three there I mean, you know assuming get good result in the Champions League I think you know, it won't be a popular thing but I think he'll rotate a little bit for the, the cup semi-final obviously Rooney's out anyway um, so yeah three three wins out of uh, three in the league and and obviously going to the double header against Arsenal and, and Chelsea and but yeah pressure really could be off I mean it's seven points as it is it, it could be yeah significantly more than that by then it's incredibly exciting times and as always it's a massive pleasure to discuss these matters with you sorry for the lengthy ramblings about the nature of our society but I'm pretty sure that's what people tune in for too f***ing right they do yeah (laughs) I hope you're going to bleep that Um, uh, we've got a clean tag to maintain listen we get all our money from iTunes right we've got to respect them damn right they they pay our wages yeah the the, uh, (laughs) nought pounds and nought pence that we charge for this it's fine programming Um, so uh, scores against Fulham and Chelsea yeah I think look I think it'll be a comfortable win over Fulham I I, I just 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 not that good on the road and they've never been that good at Old Trafford so I'm I'm thinking a 2-3 or 4-0 something along those lines I think it'll be comfortable you know look it's it's uh, in the middle of a very intense double header so I sh- I'm sure there will be some general changes and and it, it might be that we get to see Anderson and uh, and uh, maybe maybe Brown's been back in training right and and Evans might play and, and there'll just be a few changes here and there and and uh, I, I, that might affect United I just think I think we'll be too good for Fulham it's the right team to be playing uh, in this uh, scenario and then Chelsea I think I think one all okay I think three one and one nil again against Chelsea that's what I think and we'll be back to talk about those games and look forward to a very exciting semi-final just before we go I can't believe we haven't mentioned the fact that last Saturday not only did we win but our title rivals bottled it once again incredibly so yes yeah one it's 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 just one of those seasons I, I think in different circumstances with with better rivals United would have been in trouble this season but no nope, it seems like it's going our way but I mean, yeah, it's it's early to get cocky isn't it so uh, certainly yeah, is. many many things could happen we haven't won anything yet you know, we really haven't and and we, we could we could lose we could still lose all three competitions we're in this time next week we could be talking about well this time the week after next we could be talking about disaster but I, I'm, I'm it's very exciting that we're starting to look good at this at the, the just just now it's it's very good timing isn't it it certainly is and all the reasons to be positive I think for for the the coming week and I guess we'll be back with you next Friday uh, to discuss the highs and hopefully not lows of of uh, Premier and Champions League competition have a lovely week everyone